CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, April 22nd, 2022. Uh, I'm still in L.A. L.A. proved too much for the man. Uh, this will be my last day broadcasting from L.A. for a foreseeable future. No, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I like L.A. so much. But I do. Uh, here's a headline that just popped over. Uh, this one is just unbelievable. And I didn't talk about this with my distinguished guest, uh, but I hope my distinguished guest is listening. Uh, the, this is the world is crazy, MAGA, MAGA world crazy, number 452. Headline out of Florida. Ron DeSantis is the governor, MAGA man. Florida releases four prohibited math textbooks example. Uh, examples. Here they are. Valerie Strauss, excellent reporter for the Washington Post on educational issues. So she has the four samples that uh, Florida is just outraged by. Okay, and here's one of them. <laughs> Adding and subtracting polynomial, uh, polynomials. Our distinguished guest could give a whole lecture on that, but we're going to refrain from uh, discussing mathematics. Uh, and the examples is what? Me, racist? More than two million people have their racial prejudicing uh, have tested the racial prejudices online version of the implicit association test, and then it goes on to make, turn that into a math uh, example. And MAGA is saying that is just outrageous. They're so offended. They're weeping. And I'm just going to say this, MAGA. Whenever you say something insulting that insults anybody, anybody that you want to insult, anybody from any race, religion, ethnicity, if they're overweight, whatever, and they complain, what do you call them? Snowflakes. Now, MAGA, you're sobbing because, I don't know, you're introducing the concept that there may be racism or bias or bigotry or prejudice in society and we can't all just, like, try to work it out? Just saying it's a little snowflakey, MAGA. That's just me talking. Uh, and uh, I'm going to now ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and then I'll see whether she thinks that's snowflakey or whether she is moved by MAGA's argument that it's gone too far. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a member of the editorial board at the Chicago Sun-Times and an occasional columnist. I would take occasional out of that sentence. She's a columnist. Uh, Once <laughs> who a month. writes on occasion. Yes. Uh, 
uh, and she's a dear friend of the show and a, a regular guest. Uh, so, Romano, am I unfair to MAGA when I say they're a little snowflakey with their objection to that example? Have I been insensitive to MAGA? If you say so, then I will apologize no. to them for their hurt feelings. Go. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think you are being insensitive to MAGA. I don't ever think you're being insensitive to MAGA. I probably agree with you with all light or heavy criticisms you have of MAGA. So I allow you to have that opinion. Okay. okay. But you got to admit, it's pretty funny, man. MAGA, they want to be able to insult anybody. Absolutely anybody. Well, you got a First Amendment protected liberty, Ben, to absolutely insult you. And now they're sobbing over this little reference to racism. It is uh, ironic, contradictory, hypocritical. I don't know what the word is. Yeah, they they're there's there's snowflakes when it applies to them, but call everybody else a snowflake when they are sense they're calling out their sensitivities to different issues. So it's all relative. It's like their can their stance on cancel culture, like they're okay with cancel culture when it deals with other people who don't look like them, but when they're called out for their behavior. Then all of a sudden, it's uh, there's no freedom of speech in this country anymore, and people can't express how they feel anymore. But they've been canceling people of color, particularly the people in the black community, for years. I agree. Uh, unless it's like you have to sign a waiver. So a, a, a black person signs a waiver, uh, insisting that he or she believes with absolutely every tenet of MAGA. Then they allow that person to vote. They'll, they'll run that person for office even. But if you don't sign that waiver, uh-uh, you can't. They don't even count your votes. Ramada, they don't want to count the black votes in Milwaukee and uh, Detroit and Philadelphia. They want to throw those out. So um, it's all po political at one end, but it's uh, very offensive and hypocritical on the other. All right, let's get down to business. There's several items that I want to talk to you about, including the great competition which staff is more stuck up, the reader or the Sun-Times? We'll get to that. We'll get to that, okay? Uh, but let's first deal with some news. And uh, this is really on my mind, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Judge uh, Catherine uh, Mazel, speaking of MAGA, a Trump appointee from Florida, ruled that it was unconstitutional, con unconstitutional for the Biden administration uh, to demand that uh, passengers wear masks in, on airplanes and airports and trains, etc. Uh, and with that, masks were taken off. And this happened uh, after I had landed for my vacation in uh, L.A. And I have to, I'm coming back to Chicago on an airplane, uh, Romana. Uh, and I will be wearing 50 masks <laughs> and a raincoat. That's the joke I've been using uh, to protect myself. Your thoughts on the judge's ruling uh, and what's going on with this maskless celebration that America is sort of engaging in. Yeah, I mean... I think, I mean, I was always under the impression or not under the impression, I should say, I was always, I'm in a, a group of people who thinks, you know, if you can wear a mask, you should. Um, do I like wearing masks? No, I don't like wearing masks at all. But it does help. I can tell you that I actually went to a party last weekend. It was a friend's surprise birthday party. And now it looks like it was a super spreader event. So for people who think that coronavirus is absolutely done, it's not. And mo all of my friends there were vaccinated, but it was a at a house. So it was a small space. My sister actually made me wear my mask. My younger sister, she made, my mom was there too. So she made, she's like, you guys have to. So we we're one of like six or seven people who wore a mask. 
and I still feel sick. And um, I've been testing. I just took a second COVID test. I took one on Wednesday and I took another one today and I'm still negative. So I'm hoping I take I took the test right. But so far, there's been people like everybody's coming up saying, oh, my God, I just tested positive. So this this virus is here to stay. And thankfully, all of my friends are vaccinated, but people are still getting the coronavirus. It never left us. So masks do help. And I, even though I don't wear a mask in front of like people I know who are vaccinated in small groups, which I should as much as I can, I do wear my mask when I'm in the company of strangers. So I wear it at the grocery store. I don't really take public transportation that much right now. So, but if I'm, um, if I'm on a plane, I definitely have kept it on because it was at that time, it was under, you know, federal regulations. But this judge is a Trump appointee. I think one of the things that confuses a lot of people is that they don't realize that politics do play a part in a lot of these decisions. And it's not the science that's backing a lot of these decisions. And I think, um, the, you know, the government is obviously saying that they're going to appeal if, like, you know, scientists and the CDC say something. And I think the CDC did say something a couple a day or two ago. So, you know, a lot of people started clapping, I heard, on, on an airplane when they found out the masks were no longer needed. And fine, even if you don't have to wear a mask, like, I don't want to wear a mask either. But I don't know why, I don't understand the reason to celebrate as if like the Bulls won the championship or something. It's just really ludicrous to me how something that is important to protect our health, like reminding people to wear a mask is something that's considered so bad. Um, you know, I, I, I had a mask on for most of the party last week and, but I'm not a hundred percent. And it, you know, I took it off when I was trying to say, talk to someone, they couldn't hear me. So, you know, it's not like I'm perfect but I'm trying. And, and the fact that people are like applauding this is just weird. I mean, you could be happy. I mean, I guess some people are really happy about it, but to act like it's some sort of celebration is kind of, you know, nobody likes wearing masks, but to act, act like it's some sort of celebratory thing is, is just a little bizarre to me. It's a little of a stretch to me. And, um, you know, I know I've seen red articles that are saying that, you know, if you're in an airplane, the chances of you getting COVID are really low, but that's when you're wearing a mask. I think these studies dealt with when you're wearing a mask, but when you're not wearing a mask and you're sitting so close to someone, as as I found out from this party, things can spread. I could have gotten another germ. I could have gotten a cold from some other people. I mean, for the longest time, we weren't getting sick during the two years that we were holed inside of our homes and not mingling that much. I think a lot of people said that they hadn't gotten colds or anything like that. So there's a possibility that I got a cold at this party too, which I'm thinking. So I just, I don't know. I just think it's crazy. Cause I don't know if you read, but in Philadelphia, was it Philadelphia or was it Pennsylvania? Yeah. Philadelphia um, basically reinstated the mask mandate cause they saw the numbers going up again, which is what we're seeing throughout the country and which was expected. But they re, 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 they mandated again, and then everybody went crazy, and so they rescinded it again. So I don't know. I think something that it's weird that something that's supposed to be good for your health, you know, like I said, nobody wants to do it, but making people do it at least in the least possible way or at least in public places where you're enclosed, I don't see how that can hurt for at least a couple more months. All right. I, I'll take it one step further and, and uh, get your response to this. Uh, I, the videos I saw, it sure looked like MAGA. <laughs> I don't know where the plane was flying. Where, where was it going to? Uh, 
uh, or where it was coming from. Uh, but I, the, I saw a couple, and it sure looked like a very MAGA crowd. Uh, I apologize to all MAGA if you think I am unfairly stereotyping you. But then I'll go back to the start. Uh, you feel it's okay to stereotype everybody else, and now you're going to criticize me for stereotyping you. You're a little snowflakey, MAGA. Just saying. All right? So um, I, this, here's the deal. MAGA has always resented the hell out of government's precautions to COVID uh, on two, for two reasons, uh, one. Uh, one being, Ramana, that they think it's a hoax and they don't think it's real. And two, tied to that, they think it's part of a democratic plot to undercut Donald Trump. Uh, and they, in the back of their minds, think it's a hoax that the Democrats per perpetrated in order to justify closing down the, econo uh, the, uh, the economy, uh, shutting things down, which uh, caused unemployment to rise and put Trump in uh, a position where he couldn't brag as we had, well, not that he wouldn't, but there was no validity to him bragging about turning the economy around. And MAGA has always resented that reaction to COVID. And so as a result, their line, they're sticking to this line, is that it's a hoax, it's made up, you don't need the masks, you don't need the vax, we're not even sure the vax help you, and they'll argue the masks don't help you, which is such an absurd argument. Why do they wear masks when they do operations? Hello, MAGA! And um, so this is like a triumph to them. Like it proves something. It's so bizarre, Ramana. You know what I'm saying? Like they they have linked themselves, anchored themselves to this absurd, ridiculous position, and now they're gonna stick with it no matter where it takes them. So they're at the point of cheering on, taking off masks when your point is well taken. Hello, COVID's still very much out there. You know what I mean? It's like, you not wearing a mask does not stop COVID. And uh, that's my take on the political uh, ramifications, the political end of this. Uh, what's your thoughts about that? No, I agree with you. I mean. That's the thing. I just find it so ludicrous that they think this, that some people still think this is a hoax. We had so many people die these first two years. I, I forgot what the figure was, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it, the numbers are insane. There's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I think the numbers of people who died were the size of a state in this country. And to have so many people die, not only in this country, but throughout the world, you can't ignore what's happening. I mean, there's people on, um, you know, on breathing machines, there's people who are intubated. How can you say that there's not, not a, a problem? And then for some people, especially Trump supporters who believe that this is a hoax, I mean, the president, the former president got COVID. Do they think that was a, a lie about him getting COVID? I mean, if he really said it, it, thought it was fake news, wouldn't he go out and say, this is fake news that I got COVID? He never said that. Instead, he was getting like all these experimental medicines thrown at him to help him beat the, um, you know, COVID, beat COVID-19. And, you know, he ends up, you know, walking outside. He was obviously showing everybody how brave he was, like after taking off his mask and he looked like he was struggling to breathe. And it's like, it's like if, if it was such a hoax, Trump would have said it was fake news. He would have tweeted about how he never had COVID, but he never did that. And, you know, even he's gone out and, you know, talked about COVID and getting vaccinated. And then he got booed and now he stays quiet, you know, so that can help him politically. So 
for MAGA people to say that it's a hoax and all the evidence was there when their hero even got COVID, it's it's more like they're in denial that this is happening and that they're just saying things to make themselves feel better or feel smarter than they are. That's very well put. And that great memory, I completely forgot Donald Trump's performance piece where he stepped out to the balcony. I, I had put that out of my mind, Romana. Hey, Pete, COVID. I'm like, well, what's the big deal if it's not real? You know what I mean? Why are you bragging about it? Uh, and to your point about him backing off on the vax, it's so true. And talk about a snowflake and a whim. I'm just saying, Donnie, some people boo you at a rally and you just back away. I mean, come on. I thought you, you know what I'm saying? I thought you guys were tough. You told them like it is. You didn't care what people said. You know what I mean? That's like, you don't believe in cancel culture. You take a stand and you just back down as soon as someone boos at you at a MAGA rally. I don't know, Ramana. You know, by the way, there's so much insanity in the world today on airplanes. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I'm just like, this was mind boggling. Are you, in so are many you ways. talking about the church group? No, I didn't know about the church group. I'll tell you about what I'm talking about. Then you tell me about the church group. Mike Tyson uh, was on an airplane. You know Mike Tyson, right? the great, one of the greatest fox boxers of all time. Uh, Iron Mike. And some guy, this is after the mask mandate had been lift, re, lifted. So nobody's wearing a mask. Uh, so Mike, Mike Tyson's on an airplane. Some guy's trash talking him on the airplane. Who would trash talk? Mike? I mean, and it's not, it was, he was not a particularly big, strong guy. You know what I mean? And I guess, I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he's hoping that if Mike Tyson takes a swing at him, uh, he could sue him. I don't know what's going on in this dude's head. And Mike Tyson ended up, he took it, took it, took it, finally could take it no more. And he just, like, started patting the guy. You know. I mean, he really didn't hit him hard, ladies and gentlemen, because Mike Tyson hits you hard. That's it. You're knocked out. He just kind of, you know, cuffed him up a little bit just to let him. But that's one of my point. It's just insanity in the world today. Uh, you know what I mean? And particularly airplanes seem to bring it uh, out. No, so uh, Mike Tyson, what's the church thing? Yeah, I'll tell you about that. But I was going to say maybe that guy wanted his ear bitten off. Maybe his ears were too big or something. Um, so uh, Mike Tyson joke from uh, Ramada. I got to give you credit for that one. <laughs> I, do know who my, I do know who Mike Tyson is. I, I do admit that. Um, I uh, so there was a a couple days ago there was it was a tweet that was going viral. It was this um, church group that was like you know there was you know I don't know if you have ever been on a plane when there's like a group of people who are part of some church retreat. I've I've actually been stuck on an airplane where people who go on a church retreat are on a plane and they're all together and they're talking very loudly. They're all very nice, but you know you get to hear about them and what they did at their retreat and. It's, 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 they're very passionate about it and they won't stop talking. That's happened to me before. But um, this, this particular tweet, everybody was like, you know, saying there was this, this guy with a guitar. There was a whole church group and they're all singing on the plane. And this guy's like standing with the guitar and all the their church group members are singing. And one guy just looks so <laughs> annoyed, but he's not saying anything. And everybody's, everybody's letting them go on with their business. And of course, I mean, I, I'll tell you that the race of this group, they're all very white looking. I don't know. Maybe there's a person of color, but nobody, you know, everybody. So people are tweeting about it. And then um, Ilhan Umar actually tweeted something about, oh, could you imagine if a Muslim group just decided to like start saying something in Arabic or start praying? I forgot the exact word she said. She goes, oh, I bet if I started praying on a plane 
or started saying something religious on the plane, the reaction would have been totally different. And then, of course, this said that, you know, all these people said she was anti-Christian. Laura and Bobart got involved and said, you know, she was hateful. And, and she was just bringing up a point because a lot of other people on Twitter were saying, could you imagine this being another group of people or people who weren't necessarily white and started singing? There, there would be a lot of people. If there, if there was a group of black people and they started singing, even like, you know, if they're a Christian or for part of a church, they would get a lot. They, somebody would say something to them. So it, it spoke to white privilege and to, I guess, white Christian privilege. So you have to watch it. Just Google it. Everybody's talking about it. But it was it was the talk of Twitter a few days ago. So I thought that's what you were talking about. Because on a plane, on a plane, you can't really go anywhere if somebody does something like that, right? So if somebody's singing a song really loud, and, it, you know, it's one thing if they're praying quietly, but they were singing a whole song. Like it was like a group sing-along on the plane. And so people were just kind of commenting on how if it was a different religious group or people who weren't white, what would have happened or what the consequences would have been. People would have told them to shut the F up at the very least. Absolutely. And then uh, MAGA would somehow figure out a way to make a fundraising appeal out of it. And I would get the email, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, radical Islamic terrorists on planes singing songs. Here, contribute money right now to Donald Trump. Uh, but uh, yeah, madness on airplanes, lots of madness on airplane. I'm not looking forward to that ride home. And I would guarantee you that at least half that plane will be unmasked uh, as folks, uh, they're liberated. They feel very liberated. All right, let's move on to uh, some uh, local news. I take great delight in this little conversation we're about to have. Uh, it's about Kim Fox, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, visit with the Sun-Times editorial board. And uh, Ramana, as she said, is a member of the editorial board, and her uh, expertise is criminal justice. Uh, and she's a mini-expert on all things Kim Fox and Jesse Smollett, as we know, because we've heard her uh, on the, that subject uh, with me for like three years. We've been, it's one of our favorite topics. Ramon and I are the only the, the two people in the city of Chicago who don't deny we have a fascination with this story. Um, so uh, this is a delightful story, Ramon. Why don't you uh, share it? Uh, about Kim Fox coming to the Sun-Times editorial board uh, to talk about the issues, and then you weigh in. Take it away. Sure. So Kim Fox, um, I believe it was last week, she came to talk to us on the uh, at the editorial board. Um, we had a Zoom meeting. We didn't meet in person, um, so none of us were masked. Um, anyway, we um, she wanted to meet with us to talk about a little bit about, you know, a lot of stories that have been coming out in terms of, you know, police and prosecution kind of butting heads and Kim Fox not charging criminals, the complaints that are coming out, a lot of new, uh, a lot of recent stories that were coming out. So she didn't want to talk about one specific issue. And we just kind of focused a lot about that and about the criminal justice reforms that she's been dealing with and not dealing with, but that has implemented. And, you know, we could ask any questions that we wanted to. And I did ask a question about, you know, police and prosecutors and, um, just the relationship they have and how she was talking about how, you know, they don't want to just charge someone with a crime without thinking things through as have, as things have been done in the past. And she was just talking a little bit about that. And, you know, we kind of asked a bunch of questions that had to do with a lot of things that affect the state's attorney's office. And I think it was just the day before that Jesse Smollett had released a song on Instagram 
kind of proclaiming his innocence. And, uh, and we did a story on it. And I thought I would be, I thought it would be, I would be remiss and make you disappointed if I didn't ask about Jesse Smollett. And it really wasn't about the song, but I did say that um, we know that the Jesse Smollett case, you know, the, he's already been convicted, but he still appears to be making news. And I mentioned the song. And then I asked Kim Fox about, you know, what about the legitimate complaints from your constituents who feel that, um, you know, that there were some mistakes that were made in the state's attorney's office. And so Kim Fox did talk a little bit about it. She didn't really make any news from um, her comments. There were similar, there are items that she said similarly before, but at the end, she did, she did um, slightly like jokingly chided me about um, asking that question. She's like, oh, it was the last question asked before we said bye. And she was like, Ramana, did you really have to ask that? And I go, well, you know, I was going to ask it. And so she basically talked a little bit about it. And then at the end, she goes, no, I have not heard the song. And I did tell her that I was going to ask her. That was my next question. But I decided to bite my tongue and not ask. But I thanked her for letting me know that she did not listen to the song yet. And I haven't either. So I have to do that's one thing I have to do. That's if, if you want me to, Ben. That would be an assignment. I would feel like what a burdensome assignment that would be. Make you listen to that song. I've not listened to it either. Uh, I think that I would, I'm going to give Jesse Smollett a compliment here. His unbelievable uh, willfulness he, to deny, just consistently, steadily deny that he made that attack up in the face of just what seems like overwhelmingly obviousness that he did is truly like, almost breathtaking. You know, I, the closest I've seen in terms of willful stubbornness uh, and sticking to his story no matter what is Rahm Emanuel with his various stories of what happened with Laquan McDonald in the video and uh, how he ends up turning that into where he's somehow or other the victim, you know what I mean, as opposed to the guy who buried <laughs> the tape in the hopes that no one would ever see it. Uh, and then he turns it into like this lecture about the need for all of us to really seriously consider all the issues at stake here. Uh, hello, you were the one who did, ignored the issues. Uh, so I, I think those are the parallel, you know? Like, so Jesse Smollett gets out of jail um, after the judges sentenced him to, I think it was 150 days. I've lost track of how many days it was. Uh, gets out of jail on appeal. And he's, you think he would lay low. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Uh, I almost find it impressive uh, that he, he keeps insisting that he's innocent. What's your thoughts about that? I think his, his defiance is what keeps getting him into trouble. Um, I think that if he had shown remorse at his uh, sentencing, I think that would have helped him. But... He keeps saying he didn't do it, he's innocent, and that, you know, the police aren't still looking for the real culprits. And it's, 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 it's a little laughable. I don't know if you listened. Did you listen to the song? I know you told me you would. No, I have not. Okay. I, I, it's one of the things on my to-do list, but that list is very long, so I can, it's here I can, at the I end can, of it. I haven't listened to the song, but I can assure you that it is not going to get... I don't think you're going to see Jesse Smollett at the Grammy Awards winning an award, even though the Grammys don't necessarily reflect the best in music. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be a song that's going to be burning up the charts. I don't think the... I don't. I think the Beatles are still um, not, you know, not going to be 
Knocked Off is one of the most legendary bands in the country by a Jussie Smollett song. But um, I just think it's his defiance that is just getting him into trouble more and more. And I'm sure if anyone's looking at any judge that's like, you know, mulling over his like appeal is going to look at that song and be like, oh, my God. So I don't think it's going to help his cause. I, I'm sure I he got. I'm sure he got in trouble by his lawyers. I would think. I, yeah, I gotta believe he didn't run it by his lawyers. No, uh, not at all. By the way, this is, you put a thought in my mind. Justice, let's say Justice Bullet, that song, were for, somehow or other nominated for a Grammy. Who would get a warmer response from the audience? Jesse Smollett at the Grammys or Will Smith at the Academy Awards after he slapped Chris Rock in the face? I mean, me. I don't know. Will Smith, maybe. I mean, Will Smith got a standing ovation after he slapped Chris Rock. So, and then, you know, I, but then I guess I think now the celebrities, they probably read all the tweets and are probably going to be like, oh, now that, you know, this is how people feel. They're going to like go with whatever the flow is and probably not clap for Will Smith. But we have to wait 10 years for that. Yeah, we have to wait 10 <laughs> years. They're going to try to undo the standing ovation. By the way, I, I don't know if we talked about this the last time. I thought I think about that. Romana, by the way, her last column was about the Academy Awards. It's a really good column. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, we talked about that the last time we were on the show. Uh, the poor Indian American producer who was lumped in with white people. <laughs> <laughs> you inspired me to write my column, actually, because I figured not that many people heard about it. I was like, maybe some Indian people and Ben. And so I was like, I should let other people know about it. It kind of gave me an opportunity to talk a little bit about South Asian and Asian American racism and just some of the some of the nuances that are involved with South Asian culture, I guess, or South Asian American culture. That's a great comment. I urge everybody to check it out. Yeah, feel free to try it out. Any idea you have, uh, I'd use my show uh, as a guinea pig type thing. All right, uh, let's move on to this controversial topic uh, that I want to uh, discuss with Romana. And it has to do with the reader and the Sun-Times, my beloved bright one and my beloved reader. Now, this all began when Ron and I were talking before the show about the state of the reader. And I'm, I'm not going to re, uh, redo that conversation. I had a long interview uh, with Carrie Reed. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, I would talk about the reader and it, the, its fight. It's gasping for breath right now. Please, Len Goodman, just let the reader live. Uh, we've been talking about it on the show all week. But somehow, Ramon and I were talking, and there was a brief moment, uh, relatively speaking, where the reader and the Sun-Times shared an office. And they put the reader in one, like, one little corner. And I, don't, I work remotely, so I never was at the office. I just heard about this, uh, this little corner of the office where they stuck the reader people. Uh, and I know this is true, because uh, sometimes people told me they thought the reader people were stuck up. And I'm like, Wait a minute. First of all, that's my beloved reader, so I feel defensive. Second of all, Sun-Times talking about stuck up. Hello. I was at the Sun-Times building, a complete unknown with Dr. D. Dennis. We dropped in when we had our studio there. I'll name. I, I wrote it down. I went through with Dennis. These are the super nice, I'm just giving them shout outs because they, these are the people that greeted me and Dennis, Dennis and I, we actually worked on this one, Ramana. It's a top 10 list. It's a top 10 list. First of all, number one, this one right here, Ramana Hussein, the moment we walked in, welcomed us, open arms, welcome to the Sun Times, you know, introduced me to people. 
She's A number one. Number, uh, and that, that, this is not in any order. Okay, so Denise, love you, Denise. Haven't seen you in a while. One of the friendliest, brightest people you ever want to see in the morning. Bandana Bob, you're my guy, Bandana. We may not see eye to eye at all things politics, but Bandana Bob was always really friendly. Tommy Shuba uh, and uh, uh, Hergeth, Bobby Hergeth, very friendly guy. Uh, Evan Moore, Brian, the big feller, the genius behind the computers. And I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. But those are the people that popped up. Right. A lot of people you sometimes got the head down itis. You know what head down itis is, Ramana? When you're walking down a hall and you're coming at someone and they get that head down and they're like, "I'm going to pretend like I'm deep in thought, so I don't have to say hello to you." Head down itis, I call it. All right. Now I want to hear you vigorously defend the Sun Times. I, I definitely and- will. Definitely. Um, but first of all, I do want to say that you know the reader has always been there. For, I think it's as old as I am, but it's always been there in the background, especially when I, I noticed it when I was um, in my 20s. And uh, I was talking about to Ben about this right before the show, but that was actually one of the first place I interviewed um, in, the, in the 90s when I graduated from grad school. And um, I didn't get the job, but I remember they were looking for someone. I think they were actually looking for people of color, which is one of my gripes about the reader. Because I remember for the longest time, I thought it was very, very uh, white. Most of the reporters and the you know, writers are white, which is, I guess, I, somebody told me that's really common with a lot of progressive newspapers across the country, smaller progressive newspapers across the country. But as you know, Karen Hawkins, one of the co-editors um, who's at the helm of the reader now, She's actually made it very diverse, and it's nowhere near um, the size of what um, the paper was when I was younger. But, um, you know, it's always been there, and everybody read it. Um, you know, my, everybody knows my husband, McDumkey, worked at The Reader, and that's how I met you, Ben. And I have to tell you that a lot of my friends, like, were in awe that I knew you. Um, I think that's how I, I connected Samina Mustafa with you because she thought that I probably knew you through Mick and that's definitely true. So I did get, get to know a lot of um, reader staffers through um, Mick and you. And I, 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 I really did like a lot of the staffers, current staffers and old staffers. Everybody was really nice. But we were told when we came to when we used to share an office, we were told by one sometimes or own, one of our owners that we should be nice to you guys because you guys feel like the neglected stepchildren and I was telling that to my sometime colleagues and they're like one of them is the one who said what they're the ones who are so stuck up they don't even say hi to us in the bathroom and I was like oh they say hi to me but I have to say this I mean my husband Mick who I you know he he could walk he he's not someone who's like a chatter he'll chat with people but if he sees like people in the hallway he'll probably just like he he always looks like he's on a mission i told him when he's walking he looks he he's just kind of walking you know forward as if he has like some mission to do and he does usually but just there are just some people who aren't like super like you know they're just they're walking and they just want to get their job done and that's how they walk but i never felt like that with you or anybody else from the reader um, I'm trying to think. There were there are other sometimes people who really admired you. Um, Bob Mazzoni, who worked on the copy desk for sports, he told me that he was a huge fan. And so I don't think he knew you. So sometimes people are shy. Although I have to say that journalists usually aren't shy. So I know nobody is super shy at the sometimes. So there could have been some people who are a little snotty and standoffish. But I always felt bad for the reader because you guys literally were 
put into the corner office so no one could see you. So like people could see us when they walked into a newsroom and nobody would have known the reader existed unless they went into this corner and then kept walking and saw you guys in the closet. I, mean, I don't want to cl call it a closet, but it was this much smaller office. So I did, I did, I did have sympathy for, for the reader and I still continue to, to have sympathy for the reader staffers today. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. Reader staffers. We're really struggling now. Uh, it, I, it's like the reader's about to be cut. Oxygen is about to be cut off any, any day now they tell us and, uh, could be a month from now. Who knows? So yeah, a lot of, a lot of love for my reader colleagues. I want to say this about shyness. This is actually one of my favorite topics uh, that nothing to do with politics, just human nature. And, um, I do believe, uh, there are shy journalists I'm actually going to give some the sun time some of the sun time staffers with head down itis bad case of head down itis. <laughs> that, anyway, that I, might I, be true. That might be true. There uh, are some shy journalists. You're right. I, I I have to give a shout. I can't believe I forgot. Kevin, the security guard, uh, was always exceedingly friendly and nice. The security guard at the Sun Times is like the nice guy. Okay, Sun Times, you got to work on that. All right, you're about to come back into a building together, bright one. You've been uh, independent, everybody's been away, but I think they're bringing everybody back into a building, right? So be friendly, all right? But, Romana, I do believe there are some people who, they go into journalism, like people go into acting. Follow me, this is my theory, get your reaction to this. Uh, and so they, they're very shy, and it's hard for them to talk to people. They're not very social animals. You and I are like total social animals. But when they get into that journalistic role, that gives them ability to like break through their shyness. So they'll say, I'm Billy Bob from the Chicago Sun-Times. Answer my questions. And that is their ability. That enables them to uh, talk and I interact with humanity. But if they don't have that role as the interrogating reporter, they walk, they, they can't even look in your eye. They put you're, their head you're, down. You know what? You're really right because I have said that a lot of journalists are socially awkward. They're just, <laughs> you, all they can talk to is other journalists and only about journalism. And that's, that's one of the things some journalists who are like me said that they like me because I can talk to them about things that have nothing to do with the sun times. And, 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 and I, and you know what, the funny thing is I go into parties where nobody's a journalist and I don't talk about journalism at all. I mean, unless someone asks me, I really don't want to talk about it. Unless someone asks me, I do talk about it because some people are interested in it. But you are right, because I do tell that to my husband, and he, he was like, that's not true. And I'm like, no, there's a lot of people who like cannot have a conversation that's not journalism-related or about what the story they're working on <laughs> or about themselves. So I think yeah, it probably is some sort of like social awkward awkwardness or shyness that comes along with some journalists, and that's how it manifests itself. Because there, there are people who are actors or people who are musicians who are the same way. It's like when they're off stage they really can't hold a conversation. But once they're on stage or in front of the camera, just something clicks in their mind. So it's probably a similar thing. Yeah. The, I stole that, uh, that riff I went, uh, the riff I went on. I heard Robert Redford talking about that. The great actor, Robert Redford. Uh, he was talking about how shy he is. And that stayed with me. That was like in the seventies. I heard him say that. Uh, so that's a long time. You know, I've been, been thinking about it and I see it manifested with a lot of people, courtroom lawyers who get in a courtroom and they, they just take on the persona of being a courtroom lawyer and then you leave the courtroom and the, some of them are just, they really don't have anything to say. You know, they're just, uh, they don't, they don't cling to that. 
so by the way, do you agree with my list? I don't want you to throw any of your Sun-Times colleagues, but you got to admit, that's a, quite a list of, of really nice people at the Sun-Times. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I don't know, I get along with probably, I mean, I get, a, I'm someone that even if I, they rub me the wrong way, I will try to be nice to them and try not to, you know, cause fights. I'm not someone who really, I'm a middle child, so I don't really... You know, I don't like confrontation or I try to keep the peace. So in, in general, um, somebody at the Sun-Times once told me, oh, you like everyone when they were complaining about someone. I'm like, oh, they're not that bad. But in general, like 99.9% of my the Sun-Times staffers I get along with and, and, and maybe about 85% are super nice. Um, but we're already, you know, we as I mentioned, we have to come back to the office um, in June, twice a week, and I'm, all, I'm already like coordinating, or at least hoping, telling the friends that the really close friends with. I'm like, I hope we're together, so I'm not stuck with people who I don't want to be with. But in general, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, I went back to the office on Monday because I had to um, update my computer or get it updated, and Tim Novak was there, and he talked to me for about an hour, and he was talking about how we're social animals, and I was agreeing with him, and I was it was just really funny because I've always talked to Tim Novak. Um, but he was like, he's been going to the office every day. And he said that, you know, he's been going to office every day during most of the pandemic. He stayed home for about two months. And then he just, just, he's one of the few people that have been working from the office. And he says that people stare at him like he's in a zoo when they come in to, to grab notebooks and stuff. But he was also saying that we're social animals and we need to get out and you know, because I was telling him, I kind of don't, even I'm social, but I want to come back into the office every day. And he's like, oh, eventually we're all going to have to do this again five days a week. And I'm like, uh. but he was also talking about how the need for social interaction is very important in journalism. And it is true. I think it is true. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I That's all. That's a really interesting question. Uh, we'll talk about later. Like, will uh, will the, just not the sometimes, but the reader too, if the reader stays alive. But uh, you know, will you come back to office settings, uh, or will it be re reg uh, regulated, like you said, two days a week? Are you, is it going to be at the same building, or if they are moving the offices? Well, from that our our lease is up in October, so you know, a lot of us are speculating. We haven't been told anything, so I don't want to start rumors. But a lot of us are speculating that we're going to move in October. So. A lot of people thought we would probably go back to the office once we get a new spot, if that we is what we think is going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so we'll be back into that office where you're shoved in the corner. Um, <laughs> that is By the way, just a, a tangent. I just, I'm going to throw Edwin Eisendrath under the bus. Edwin Eisendrath was the uh, Chicago politician and businessman uh, who came to the rescue of the Sun-Times uh, when the Sun-Times was really on the ropes. So... Uh, Let's just give Edwin a shout out. He, he's also the guy who brought Len Goodman and uh, Elsie Higginbottom together to the reader. That's a whole other story. The point is, when he bought the Sun Times, uh, he also bought the reader. And he was like, like jumping for joy when he got the reader. You know what I'm saying? Like the reader, the Sun Times, the reader was owned by the Sun Times management. So when you buy the Sun Times, you get the reader. It's sort of like, hey, you get this too. <laughs> Edwin's like, huh? So, <laughs> where do I stick this thing? I know. This corner of this bill, I went there one time. I saw, I saw my uh, Romana, you were the one had told me they stuck him in a corner. And until I saw it, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, God damn, Edwin, you couldn't have found a little more room for the. <laughs> uh, you're, you're lucky we gave you that, Ben. Um, anyway, just a little Edwin tangent. 
there. All right, Ramon, it's time for you for your uh, Ramon's recommendations. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this sh- uh, show. I have nothing to offer because all I'm doing is watching basketball these days, uh, Bulls basketball. And um, so, what do you got uh, to offer up? Well, I'm still watching uh, Tokyo Vice with Mick, um, and we just started that. And I, it, you know, because I'm watching with Mick, it'll, it'll take a, a few weeks. But my, I also started um, Killing Eve, which is an old show, but I everything's on Hulu now, so I can watch that. So that's old, but something I'm watching. And the movie that I saw last week was Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yeoh. It was a pretty creative movie. I think Ben, you'll really like it. Um, it has a message that can resonate with everyone. I think I think the movie's probably not for everyone because, you know, it's all over the place and there's a lot of things happening at once. It's, it's kind of like a sci-fi um, I don't know, what do you call it? I guess you could call it a sci-fi movie with um, with a heart. And um, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And so it's also very funny. Um, and everybody's just, I think that's, it's. this is the latest movie everybody's kind of chatting about. I, I just think, I just think, um, just when it comes to creativity, it's a 10. It's just, I mean, whoever was writing this, and I would think the actors must have had a ball just... Um, acting this movie out because there's so many different costumes you know people kind of go back and forth in time and there's different realities and it basically centers on a older asian woman who's kind of questioning the choices she made in life as she's trying to um you know save the laundromat that she owns with her husband and i don't know if you knew but you watched goonies right goonies and raider you never watched goonies what about uh what about the second um Indiana Jones, where the Indians were meeting, eating monkey brains. You saw that, right? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, those are like movies from the uh, 80s or 90s, right? Yeah, those are movies like that I watched as a kid. So there's a Asi- there's an Asian actor in, in, in the movies. His name was Data in Goonies. That was his nickname, Data. Anyway, he's in, I read an article in GQ about him, and he, t- he talked about the struggle to find good roles as an Asian-American actor and this is like the first movie that he's gotten in years. And he talked, I think this is the first movie where he's actually billed under his Asian name. So there's a lot of um, interesting things that are tied to this movie. And for anybody who grew up in the 80s, they will recognize him. Or at least they should Google him because they'll realize that he was the guy, the kid in Goonies and the kid in the Indiana, the Asian kid in the Indiana Jones movies. I, I read articles about him and I just was cheering for him. I love it when... Uh... A mini version of this is John Travolta, but when uh, an actor has success and then uh, struggles to get roles and is written off and then has that moment, you know what I'm saying, Romano, where they get to show the world what they got, and I always cheer for those actors, you know, I'm still here, I got it, and uh, so I read about this guy, I felt that really way about John Travolta at least twice in his career, Pulp Fiction, yeah, was the... it was the one that most pronounced where the world said, you know, he is a good actor. And uh, I loved, I'm just telling you right now, Romana, I love John Travolta. There, I got that off. My, I had to get that out. Uh, I will definitely see that movie uh, when we get back to Chicago. My wife and I have been want, looking forward to seeing uh, that movie. And um, the only thing I can say is the other movie I'm looking forward to, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, get your response to this, 
is the Nicolas Cage movie. And I've seen a lot of ads for that on Instagram. And there's a movie, it's about being Nicolas Cage. Do you oh, know what this I think, is? I think I know you're talking about. I, I read about it, but I haven't seen any trailers yet. So are you one of the people in the universe that can't stand Nicolas Cage? Or are you like me, one of the people in the universe who really likes Nicolas Cage? Yeah, he's just kind of skeevy a little. I don't know. I just find him... I mean, he's a good actor. I think he had like a lot of good roles for a while, but then he just started doing really, really weird... Um, you know, although he did some movie that recently got a lot of acclaim, and then he just, just seems so bizarre in, in real life. So maybe I was started to take that into like you know, into consideration when I was watching his movies. He just seems kind of like a weirdo. His latest Which, movie. I'm, the, I'm not saying that other actors aren't, but he just seems especially weird. Yeah, well, uh, I think you are carrying over his life into his movies. I will say the the movie uh, that you were alluding to, I think, is called Pig. It's really good. Yeah, I everybody said it's really good, isn't he in it? Yeah, because I think there was like articles about how wow, another this Nicolas Cage movie is actually good. I, I could have sworn <laughs> I saw an article that was like saying yeah. that. I mean, he's talented. Uh, it's just sometimes sometimes actors get so weird where their real life kind of blends into. Um, their like persona on screen, I think. Uh, so we'll close with this. Uh, as I said, I'm utterly obsessed with basketball, and my beloved Chicago Bulls are in the playoffs. Uh, as we speak, it's 1-1, and uh, game three is tonight against Milwaukee Bucks. I know uh, Mick, my dear friend, and your, your dear husband will be watching. Are you ignoring completely all this, or do you sneak a peek every now and then? I mean, I know, th- I know when they're winning and when they're losing. My brother and... Um, my his son went to the game last week in Milwaukee. Um, my niece, <laughs> my niece, my oldest, my my oldest sister's daughter lives in Milwaukee, and she actually got a ticket through a broker. She got thirty five dollar tickets through a broker for really good seats, and then it turned out the broker made a mistake, and had given her really really close seats for it was supposed to be like three hundred fifty dollars, not thirty five dollars. And so she was, she was kind of being a snob and she's like, I don't want to see. And then they're like, they offered her like other seats and she's like, I don't want to sit that far. So she offered them to my brother and he took his son and uh, the Bulls lost that game, but they, it was a really close one from what I understand. So I pay attention and um, I live in a two bedroom condo. So I hear my husband uh, yelling things at the TV. So I can kind of gauge from if I'm in another room and I hear him yelling the way I hear him yell. Um, at the TV, I know whether they're doing well or if they're doing bad. So I, I, I have been paying attention to a little bit. Well, I, I, uh, Danny Mialopoulos, a good friend of the show, will be coming on next week. A big-time Bucks fan because he loves Giannis, and we're probably going to go to a we See, originally we thought the Bucks would destroy the Bulls, and then uh, the Bucks would move on to the next round. And then So Danny and I were like planning to take a field trip to Milwaukee and get scalper tickets to see the next round. But now, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is a series. So who knows? All bets are off. Coke Bulls, my beloved Chicago Bulls. All right, Romana, uh, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much. Uh, as always, it's always a blast talking to you. Thanks. That's great. Romana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Bye.